we see him as not having a whole lot of like allies or people that he partners up with. He's very isolated. And I think that's true of a lot of fives, like they're their own persons and they have a harder time maybe some I'm not saying this about you but you know some have a hard oh, time no, wanting, to, true. <laughs> wanting to open up to other people and again we're just singing yeah. a, a dimension from the play how that you know how that's presented on stage yeah. but he does seem it keeps people at arm's length maybe a little hey everybody and welcome to the advice not given podcast Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Melspo Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of the Advice Not Given podcast, We want to just tell you today we are going light and we are going humor. We are going uh, deep dive on Hamilton and Enneagram types. We felt like we may need to bring a little levity back to our episodes after a couple of really heavy, heavy hitting topics um, and maybe just a little bit of a mood that Kelly and I have been in in the last few weeks. We just want to take a break, right? Uh, that's what I was gonna say. How many oh. strong lyrics do you think we can fit in, or puns? Mm. So let's we'll keep a count. And so that's okay. number that's number one right there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I beat you to it too, didn't I? <laughs> no. Well, I was gonna say like we're not throwing away our shot, right? Like while this is still uh, popular and kind of in the mainstream media and um, on everybody's mm-hmm. minds, we want to we want to tackle it. So we've shared a little bit over the last year that we've been doing our podcast, how much we love Hamilton. And I have to admit, I'm a little nervous because I feel like Kelly is the expert. She's had a much longer history with Hamilton. She's seen it live. I just came to love it this summer when it appeared on Disney+. Plus. I've shared before, my girls love it. One daughter actually has a Spotify Hamilton playlist that she falls asleep to every night like a lullaby. <laughs> We've had watch parties with a couple sets of their friends. We've shown my mom, my mother-in-law. We've definitely gone down the Hamilton, you know, gone down into the pit of all things Hamilton. I did a really fun series with a theater group that I'm a part of, and we talked about Shakespeare and the Enneagram, and it was fantastic. Now, granted, admittedly, I'm like, I know next to nothing about Shakespeare. So I was just kind of there like, "Eh, I don't know if your your theory on that one is right, and here's why. Um, But Hamilton, I feel like we definitely have a bit more of an intimate knowledge of. So what we want to do is we want to run through each of the main characters that everybody kind of knows and do the break rule number one about the Enneagram, which right. is typing other people. However, they're fictional characters, kind of portrayed historical fictional characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to base this on Lynn manuel Miranda's like choices, his directorial right. choices and the actors on personal choices of how to portray these characters. Not necessarily, um, you know, we didn't clearly know George Washington in the flesh. So, and George Washington didn't have the chance to type himself and say, I self identify as a whatever type. So just, those are our caveats. Don't do this with real life people. It's not cool, but we're going to break apart. The cool thing about theater, Claire, I think, I don't, tell me if you agree, like you get to hear and see like inside people's brains like you get to actually see their motivations kind of play out because that's the whole point right that's how they're they're moving the plot forward is to be able to express specifically in the case of like Aaron Burr who typically is is pretty much narrating the entire thing we are hearing in real time like what he's thinking and how he breaks apart that moment and how he feels about these things Um, so we do get to kind of anchor those thoughts 
onto a ton of the Enneagram typology. So right. also one other caveat, you guys, I'm a five. So you're going to hear, and Claire has a bit of a five wing as well. Um, you're going to hear a lot of, oh, I saw this article say, and I saw this person say, because we've researched it as well. Like mm-hmm. we have our own thoughts about it, <laughs> but we're always going to look to um, have, you know, confirmation <laughs> via sources and other uh, folks' opinions. So this is kind of an aggregation of what we think um, about, you know, the Enneagram and the seeing the characters and then also what the internet thinks right. about the Enneagram and Hamilton. And, you know, we will be dropping all those links in the show notes, but maybe as a segue into our specific character descriptions and typing, I had a question for you. And that is, do you feel like there is a difference in how you might type the actual historical figure that you read about in history books and that we've kind of had a long long lineage of learning about versus how you might type them after seeing them on stage and not just on stage sharing thoughts from maybe the way a Shakespeare play might be portrayed, which is through dialogue, Mm -hmm. which is through Mm -hmm. an aside and a soliloquy on stage, but through song Um, and almost the, the efficiency with which like Hamilton lyrics had to be, you know, just so tightly like placed to make, to make the, the scope and sequence of the, the play what it is. So what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on like typing a historical character based on quote air quotes history versus an artistic rendition? I think I think it's everything, right? I think the the artistic overlay brings the character to life. I mean that sounds stupid, but it's true. Like it's not right? just a flat uh it's not just stats and data or, you know, dates, right? It's, it's, if we were to sit down and read a text about George Washington, yes, you're going to be able to pull away like attributes and characteristics and, um, but you're not going to be able to like relate to it. So one thing that I like to tell people too, especially when, you know, we pose topics like this, like and people that are like, oh, I know my type, but I don't know any other types that well. Right. Okay. Who do you relate to the most as a character in the play or as a character in the story or in the history text? Like, who do you feel like, yeah, that's a choice I would have gone with? Oh, wait. No, that's not a lyric. Yes, not the choice I would have gone with. There we go. That is a lyric. (laughs) (laughs) So who would you who would you side with? Who would do who do you relate to more? And it's funny because talking just in our own little family, even my kids like are starting to see like, oh, I don't understand why he did that. I'm like, are you kidding me? It makes perfect sense why he did that. Um, So, yeah, seeing it played out, I think, just brings it to life. And it sounds cheesy, but I think that's it in a nutshell. No, I think that's I think it's something that we pay attention to even in our conversation. Um, But just wanted to put that out maybe as a, a first thought. I think, and you can agree or disagree here, I think we start off with Alexander Hamilton because that's going to be okay. really everything in the play. It's it's how every character is kind of interacting with him, even though they have their own stories. So let's make our arguments on what type we believe Alexander Hamilton represents. You go first. I'm split on this one and I'm probably maybe split with the one you may or may not say, I don't know. I'll come back to my secondary choice, but I ultimately landed on type one. Okay. 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 Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Okay. I also had him in the running for an eight. Oh. And okay. I had him in the running for a three, an achiever. Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three was my second. Um, the reason that I, and I'm curious to hear yours as well, but the reason that I I ended up kind of anchoring, and this is widely debated across the internet, you guys, but um, there is no, there's right and there's wrong. 
There's mm-hmm. right and there's wrong, like throughout the entire play. Like there's mm-hmm. uh, there are no yes, he's ambitious. Absolutely. The ambition helps to fuel um his pursuit of perf- not even perfection, like morality, like what he has come to believe as like the gold standard of the way this nation should be and anything else um falls to the wayside. The other thing is that he is so driven to move like he's mm-hmm. he moves he acts um and that's a strongly anchored body triad sort of aspect right well to key back in on something you just said we have to look as always with all enneagram stuff at motivation and the right or wrong piece even even talking about his ambition i don't think you can separate his ambition from his desire to to do things right and to maybe almost even be someone that he doesn't believe that he is. And so that, that for me is where I separate the three from the one, like it's not ambition for the sake of praise or being acknowledged. It's ambition because he wants to be right. He wants to be, you know, he wants to be part of a family. He wants to progress the good of our country. So I feel like that's even Mm -hmm. an important feature of understanding him is his motivation for, perfection. And even though he doesn't always achieve it at all, I mean, he makes many, many mistakes throughout the course of the play. (laughs) But overall, I think he's motivated to do what's right and to be an upholder of justice and to. Mm -hmm. What do you think about, do you think he has the inner critic? So I feel like that's what I'm hearing most of the time during his songs inner critic, like telling him not necessarily like you did that badly or you didn't do that well enough, but like, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? You know, like, how are you going to, don't lose your shot. This is your shot. You have to take it. Like, there's always this voice on his shoulder, like, hey, you've got to pursue this. You've got to make this good. Why else, you know, and then he's got the list of grievances Mm -hmm. (laughs) against her at the end that are like 57 pages long or something. I mean, like all, anything that he does, like, so a lot of times too, like I kind of, I I feel that as a, as a five, like, why do you write like you're running out of time, right? Like, it's just like, Uh there's never enough said, um, the reason I pull away the five and the one, one of the main reasons is that uh, fives don't believe in like an objective truth and and ones absolutely do. Um, right. So he's always in pursuit of that truth. Now, I will add too, though, that the one and the three, which was my top, those were my top two, um, mm-hmm. share a, a competent or a harmonic style. So you guys, if, sorry if we're going above your head, we've got tons of resources we'll point you to. But there are other groupings beyond just the the centers of intelligence, the head, heart, body. Right. We've yep. done episodes um, on these. Done episodes on and we did one even on the harm or the harmonic styles, but this is how you um deal with conflict. And mm-hmm. he shares with the three and the five a competency style. So that right. fits right in. Like it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, no, I need to know. It's his it's his trying to get out of where he was and get to New York and go to school and graduate early and just devour as much information as he possibly can about trade and about finance and about all of the things in order to be able to prop him up for him to feel competent then to go on and do all of the amazing things that he did. Right. I want to quote something that I, I read from Relevant Magazine. They did an article on the Enneagram type of each Hamilton character. And they, too, agree that Alexander Hamilton is likely typed as a one. And they they say the Enneagram Institute describes ones as, quote, crusaders and advocates for change, always striving to improve things, but afraid of making a mistake. Sound mm. familiar? At their best, mm-hmm. ones are conscientious with strong personal convictions, and at their worst, they're hypercritical and punitive. And I think that's mm-hmm. the the two sides of Hamilton we see. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, it's quiet uptown. I mean, mm-hmm. he. I mean, and look, he deserved to beat himself up over that. But right. like, I think that was a really powerful moment. Like he knew what he did was messed up. Like he knew that. But not only did he spend his time kind of like you know berating himself and kind of living in that space and owning it, he wrote a pamphlet confessing everything that he did. Right. You know, like it was like I'm going to be harder on myself than anyone else can because that's the right thing to do. Right. Like, that is the moral imperative. That I like, you know, I cannot have history making its own account of this. I don't want the gossip, the rumors, even ambition be damned kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, nah, you know what? This is more important for me to make sure that I go out with a clean slate. Yeah. So here's the account of what happened. Right. Yeah. That inner critic so super strong in mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Okay. Well, we kind of have come to a, an agreement or consensus that we would see him right. as a one. Okay. You throw out your next one. Um, I'm going to go Washington next. Okay. Okay. He's a six. Okay. I think I can agree with that. <laughs> I first, I, again, I I have some, there's a part of me that sees him maybe as a one, but also an yeah. eight. So, but ultimately I do think the six is the strongest. And that's one where I feel like maybe my earlier question about history's representation of person versus Hamilton's Mm, depiction. I think maybe in our history books that, gosh, that's a whole other conversation of how is it even Mm -hmm. true? And has it even (laughs) been represented right? That's the whole thing. But um, I think you could also argue that George Washington might be a one and his uh, desire for justice and righteousness. And, but then I see, I see eight too, but yeah, ultimately I said a six Mm, with a five wing. I said a six with a five wing for him. Yeah. And he's, that is actually called the defender. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so perfect. So, I mean, the six is the loyalist, right? right. I'm, I'm speaking for Claire here. She could definitely right. um, you know, speak a little bit more on this, but like healthy sixes, which I clearly, he was definitely healthy um, and very right. supported throughout his entire life, right? Like he kind of came from this perfect storm of like, yep, you are the exact person we need in this moment. Um, to your point about it being maybe, he maybe being a one, I definitely think that, especially in the play, but then also just as evidenced by like his life and the the product of his life um he was more concerned about people mm-hmm. you know he wanted relationships work yeah and you know it was it was more i mean i'm thinking his one last time you know it's like yeah. i want to warn against i want to warn against partisan fighting you know like how do you and then okay he was plagued with self doubt also right very sick yeah, very, very well, I was gonna sick. quote I was gonna quote some of Guns and Ships on that. Like his whole first sequence oh. is questions for himself. Like, how do we do this? How do we leave the battlefield without wait with uh oh. waving Bessie Ross's flag? It's just the constant questioning of that. Well, and like imposter syndrome too. Mm-hmm. Like my people put me up on this pedestal and like and I, I and I can't. And then so mine, mine, yeah, for sure is the the one last time with his whole entire um, speech that actually, you know, Hamilton wrote for him, but, um, just talking about sitting under his fig tree mm-hmm. safe. safe and not only he, but safe in the nation that we've made, like everyone with my fellow citizens, like I want to create that thing. And then I want to be able to pass it on and enjoy it. Um, not afraid. Like they use that, they use that word like several times. It's mm-hmm. all kind of oriented around fear, security, safety, safety. He also says, I'm too sensible of my defects not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors, but I hope that my country will view them with indulgence. Um, mm, right? And then 40, 45 years of my life dedicated 
right? To service. I mean, they're so, so, so six. I mean, Mm -hmm. so six. Well, and even, even to take that a step farther, just his desire for relationship with Alexander Hamilton in that mentorship. Mm -hmm. And that, again, as a six, I, I see this in myself all the time, just that desire that you're, you're making progress, but not just for the sake of achievement, not just for the sake of what's right, but for us, it's for the sake of furthering genuine relationship. And I see that, you know, you see that the way that plays out between a lot of the times he's on stage with Alexander Hamilton and that very fatherly um, role he tries to take on that Alexander actually kind of bristles against. Mm -hmm. Don't call me son. Yeah. Um, So one of the things that I had written down too, is that um, it could also account for a lot of his like brilliance on the battlefield, right? Is the contingency planning and the worst case scenario for everything. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I don't know enough about battles and war things, but I've, you know, I hear that he was pretty brilliant as far as Mm -hmm. strategy and, and being able to be where he needed to be, right. To cut off supply lines, to, to steal their cannons, like all these kinds of things, right. Like that's, those are things that he could see around versus just the, the conventional, you know, way of fighting a thing head on. Um, he's like, well, wait, what if they come around this way? And yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I love that. Do you want to hear what's really funny? <laughs> I yeah. think so the relationship between Hamilton and Washington is a six and a one. And that's what Ryan and I are oh, in our oh, marriage. <laughs> We're both a six and a one. And again, from that relevant article, just a quote, it talks about how um, the Enneagram Institute notes that sixes and ones share more than they don't. They're both honorable and diligent, strong ideas about right and wrong. And in a one six relationship, ones provide decisiveness and a concern for order while sixes bring ones and awareness for others. Totally how Ryan and I operate. Totally it's, how we operate. <laughs> and it's 100% their dynamic. Oh, right. that's crazy. That's funny. Oh, I love that. So. I love that. Yep. Cool. All right. So we got Washington 6. Who's up next? Let's take Eliza. Okay. Um, Eliza. Is I there any doubt? I yeah. Do. yeah. I do too. I do too. Yeah. She's a healthy too, though. We'll say that. She There's is. no like... There's no ounce of manipulation or anything like that kind of showing up for me. Um, she's a heart center. I mean, everything she does is selfless. I mean, right. literally everything she does. Well, I was going to um, say, to me, the pinnacle of, of that health is the, her ability to forgive Alexander at uh, the, near the end of the play or end of the story. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I'm I'm kind of like skipping all the way to the very end and thinking about the orphanage. Right. You know, like just oh, her yeah. like. And, and everything that she gave along the way, like, to be able to ensure that his legacy, I mean, that the play exists because of her. You right. know what I mean? Like, the reason we know as much as we know about that time is because of her and her sister, but she wanted to ensure that, you know, someone told his story. Right. Um, oh, if that's not a, a two move, then I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. I also kind of love, like, one of my favorite songs is Burn. Um, right. Where she is like, you know what? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the historians get to know. First of all, do we think people were that fixated on what historians were going to write about them in that no, time? I do not. not. Okay. No, I yeah. don't. <laughs> because I'm like, wow, like everything y'all did, it's like you've got like paparazzi on you kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, did they know how big of a deal they were going to be? Like, and I, I often think that about, honestly, Claire, about 2020, like the people that are kind of like in on mm-hmm. the stage now. Do they know, right? Like, would they, are these kind of the thoughts they're thinking? But anyway, I digress. 
So she's like, you know what? I am going to burn our, our, our romance, you know, like all of the redeeming mm-hmm. qualities that you had that I fell in love with. Like I'm ticked and I'm going to get rid of them so that you aren't looked upon <laughs> favorably in history. Cause you want to go and write this pamphlet, you know, like inviting everyone into our bedroom, basically like, okay, cool. Right. Um, they're only going to see that side of it. They're not going to know um, how I felt about it. And I think that is like definitely kind of like in the very, I mean, if she did dip into unhealth, which I don't think it's unhealthy necessarily. Um, but it's, it's a pride. That's a passion right. of the two is pride. Um, right. it's like, you know what? No, I want to preserve my, my standing, my image, my, um, self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and do well, I was going to say, I, I almost wonder if that is less about protecting his image, but also about hers. You know, I, I read this oh, summer. Oh yeah, 100%. After after watching Hamilton, I ordered the book called My Dear Hamilton, um, and it's mm. the kind of historically fictionalized. It's actually the authors that wrote it. They did so after watching Hamilton on stage. Like, that's what prompted their writing of the story, Stephanie Dre and Laura Kamui. Um, but the whole, the whole book is written kind of from her perspective, almost like a diary. And I mm. feel like she's really the bigger influence of that marriage in a way. I mean, she came from money. She came from, um, you know, her dad's notoriety and, you know, maybe even she had more to lose than he did. And, um, yeah, I think part of it was to protect him, but I think part of it was in that day and time, I think that might've been like her only power move for herself. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, how do you feel about the fact that she, as the helper, her main song was Helpless? Mm, ow, that's good. That is so good. <laughs> well, do you think it's an that's, do you think it's an ironic use of the word helpless? Maybe the other question I, to ask. I know. I wonder about that. I kind of feel like it's it's um her her love affair with him mm-hmm. kind of like takes her age. Ah, hmm, how do I want to say this? We're coming off the heels of our glass ceiling episodes. So I don't want right? to get back into that. But but it did kind of disarm her in a way. And she was like, you know what? I'm in. I'm 100% in. Like, you are my thing now. You are my cause. Mm-hmm. I support you. Um, ah, now I just, yeah, she's great. She's great. Yeah, but to, I do want to dip back into that, that conversation <laughs> for just a second. But to me, I'm like, at the end of the day, like to me, that is some somewhat what marriage is about. It is the absolute, like sometimes throwing out the the wise thing or throwing out the tradition or throwing out the um, the mistakes and just saying, you know, I love this person. And I think we see that with her. Yeah. I, think, I think that's kind of what I like about it. Not in an like anti-feminist way, but in a I choose him and I keep choosing him and I love him. And, um, he like almost like a, he knows, he knows how he, how good he has it with me. And even when he messes up, I can still be that stabilizing force in his life. Did you relate to the song? It could be enough or we could be enough. Does that just, that hits me Yeah, in all kinds of ways. Like, and it always has, like, it's just, it's, you can hear it in her voice. Like she loves him so much and she they don't need the money right you know they don't need the legacy right. <laughs> if I could grant you peace of mind like it's it I I feel like and it, I mean like let's be real she's a military spouse he's off fighting right. these wars missing his child being born kind of and all these things you know and it's like 
you just that just rang so true. So like from the dawn of time, you know, we've yeah. been kind of struggling with the same topics. Um, one of the biggest things that teens are known for is being self-sacrificing. Oh um, yeah, to a fault, right? To where they forget their own needs. Yeah. Um, so well, it's they, like she I didn't she didn't even tell him about her pregnancy because she didn't want to like. Well, she wrote the general a month right. ago. Right. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. but even but that yeah, no, felt strategic, I guess. It felt strategic in a way that, I don't know. Well, and he and he even waited to pull that card. You know what I mean? Like, right. he didn't pull that card when he got the letter. He said he waited until stuff was starting to boil up and, and old Alex needed a break anyway. So he took that break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, friend. Quick break to tell you about a few things that we have going on for the fall season. We've been talking and we want to hang out with you. <laughs> We're going to introduce a new monthly hangout open to our lovely supporters on Patreon, and we're calling it Group Therapy. Asterix. We are not therapists. It is not actual group therapy. We just thought it was a fun play. Uh, And we don't know about you guys, but we need it. So once a month, we're going to host a Skype hangout, but you can join us face-to-face. And to kick us off, we'll do an Enneagram, ask us anything. Uh, Parenting, maybe. We'll talk about homeschooling, pick Claire's brain on that, uh, and really just whatever you guys are into and what you're thinking about. So we're also thinking of a book club. So if those things are interesting to you, check us out, patreon.com slash gurus for more. Also, We have revamped the Becoming Your Own Guru e-course. If you are a new follower of the podcast, we encourage you to check that out. It is an awesome tool and resource if you are interested in learning more about the Enneagram, but mostly more about the Enneagram as it pertains to military spouse life, challenges, triumphs, all of that. So we actually combined kind of our years of experience and pumped it all through an Enneagram filter. So you can learn more about your type, what your type might look like in the different stressors and environments that we find ourselves in and how to navigate transitions effectively. So that you can find on millspokegurus.com slash ecourse. Okay, let's go on to Aaron Burr, sir. Ah. All right, you go first. Uh, I think he's a five. Yes. Okay. We agree. <laughs> he's, the, he's, the, he's the fiveiest five of all. He's my favorite. I Look, I could have cared less about Aaron Burr in history. Uh, the only thing, y'all, truthfully, the only thing I knew really about Hamilton, Andrew's from New York. And when we visited a couple of times, he would always point out um, that ledge, Weehawken. It's across right. the river. You can literally see it from New York, like from the city across the Hudson. And uh, he always just pointed out, like, that's where Aaron Burr shot Alexander Hamilton. Because, like, that's, like, where the, you know, everybody knows that. I'm like, cool. And then there's the milk commercial, right? Like, those are the things that I knew. So right. I knew the name Aaron Burr, but I didn't know anything else about him. And then I knew, like, oh, he's a jerk. He shot Alexander Hamilton, blah, blah, blah. Um, wow, this play, though. And wow, was Burr, like, not the most complex, Ooh, he misunderstood. Favorite. Yeah quiet like i i'm so happy at the choice of having him narrate first mm-hmm. of all first of all you are literally in his head and we're better place to be than a five's head i'm oh, just saying yeah um <laughs> so you're literally listening to all of the events kind of through his translation through his observation that is fairly objective right like fairly like you know fair even when he was critical of himself like he, right. was, he did that um in a good way um I think my favorite thing as a five speaking, um, my favorite kind of revelation about Burr was when um, he says, I'm not standing still. I'm lying mm. in wait. Oh, 
Uh, I was just about to say, Dear Theodosia is my favorite song, but that, no, it's not. It's Wait For It. It's Wait For It. Yeah. It, it, that is like an anthem for me. I can't Same. even tell you because so many times I've been accused of like not being lazy, but like, why don't you just act? Like, why don't you just do things? Like, oh no, why don't you speak your opinions? Mm-hmm. Why don't you, which I do here, but. <laughs> Typically, if you were to meet me in real life, like these are not things that you would hear from me on any kind of basis because it's like, hmm, you know, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to hold my cards to my chest. I'm going to smile more and I'm going to talk less because you Mm -hmm. learn more by watching to see where everybody else falls. And I'm like, I've never seen it like articulated not by a serial killer in drama. Right. <laughs> Usually it's like Dexter is the is my like anchor like, oh yeah, I get that guy. No. Burr was like, yep, he's he's at he's a, yes, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna throw out there, could you make a case for him being a nine or a three? Because I have read mm-hmm. some things that say part of his keeping things and I know keeping things close to your chest and keeping things kind of in is a def- definite five move, but kind of about how he just I don't know. Do you think he tries to keep the peace and then he just finally gets to the end of it? No, because I no, because I think that peace is not the object, like not the um motivation the goal for him. Right. It's it's not so much about like I don't want there to be any fighting. It's it's strategy. Right. Um it's where can I be successful? Like or or well, speaking to your three, I guess. But I don't think he's got the the drive. Um okay. a three, I think is way more jump in and deal with consequences later. Right? If there's right. if there's an if there's an opening, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to I'm going to do the thing, say the thing, be the thing, right? Versus a 5 is going to be the one that's pulling Alexander Hamilton back from the right the town crier, right. right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, just chill for a second. Let's see mm-hmm. how this plays out or, you know, you run your mouth, you're going to get shot. Like that's what happens to people. Let's be smart about this. Like, let's wait. Yeah. The constitution's a mess. Yes, it absolutely is. Like, but we need time to like figure it out. We need time yeah. to like you know, clean it up and whatever. We can't just jump in and, and make these arguments for this thing, right? Like, I don't know, just there was, there's um the one thing that I kept seeing was a five and a one um, for Burr. And I'm like, uh, one doesn't seem to fit at all. And also the reason that the five and the one don't necessarily always sync, which right. remember we landed Hamilton at a one. Right. Um, the difference there, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, the difference there is that the one knows the truth, um, just feels it, whether it is actually like true or not, you know, who, who cares? That's right. That's another topic. But the five is always in search of because they feel the truth can never be truly discovered right. or landed on. So that's where Burr's inaction comes from because he's never willing to say like, yes, okay. that is I can true. see that. I can yeah. see that. I also think like, uh, and you speak more to this as a five, but like the basic fear, you know, he he's afraid of being useless or incapable. And I think we see that play out definitely in the way he interacts with, especially Alexander Hamilton, just the, the climbing and the calculated strategic way he tries to relate to him and like make his own way in the world. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that definitely in my mind pushes him toward a five. I was just curious if you had any, and then this is another thing. I do think we see him as not having a whole lot of like allies or people that he partners yeah. up with. He's very isolated. And I think that's true of a lot of fives. Like they're their own 
persons and they have a harder time, maybe some, I'm not saying this about you, but you know, some have a harder oh, time no, wanting, to, true. <laughs> wanting to open up to other people. And again, we're just singing yeah. a, a dimension from the play, how that, you know, how that's presented on stage, yeah. but he does seem at, it keeps people at arm's length, maybe a little. Yeah, it, it is. It is tough because you never know what to reveal right. or, or what to reveal to who, right? Like, and there might be people that he felt comfortable, you know, with this. So we compartmentalize really well. So, you right. know, he, his friends didn't even know he had a girl, like a right. woman, you know what I mean? Like the fact that they didn't, his best friend, supposedly Alexander Hamler, whatever he was, frenemy, um, didn't even know that he was seeing someone like the fact that he hid that from him because it, it didn't matter. It, it didn't cross that boundary like there, there are compartments that we put things in right. and only certain people know certain things and literally no one will know like the entirety of a five no, and the five no. like in our landscape. You're going to know what's applicable to the thing that we're engaged in in that moment. So that, yeah, the fact that he showed up and people were like, I heard you got somebody and he's like, wait, what? You got, yeah. <laughs> you got a whole side piece we didn't even know about. That's so classic and he just kind of smiled and was like and that's mm-hmm. all you're gonna know you're not gonna know more like they tried to pry and he was like have a great day and right. he just left so yes that is a hundred percent true um one thing that I did want to add to you're right dear Theodosia my kids like roll their eyes every time because oh, it's like I cry balls. every time I'm I like, hear it I love it <laughs> Every time, but that's like when we're in the kitchen, whatever, they're trying to play like, you know, guns and ships or whatever. And I'm like, dear Theodosia, they're like, ah, oh, and they like leave. Um, there's a hope there um, that I cling to. You know, it's like I had this conversation with some really dear friends early on in the pandemic and and we were kind of all in a moment, like we're so scared and there's riots and there's all these things happening. And again, that's perspective, but um, they're like, they're all very, I'm so worried for our kids. And I just stopped. I was like, I am so hopeful for our kids and Mm. so excited as long as we don't mess this up, you know, as, and, and I tell, I tell my kids this song as like a, as an apology to them, like we're going to do our best, make it right for you. You guys are the ones that are going to bring us through to another era and just, Mm. uh, okay. Anyway, it was, it's a really tender moment that you don't often see from a five, but that we are a hundred percent capable of, and that is down in there deep down. And it takes something like a relationship with a child to unveil that. And I just, I love it. Agree. I think that that's, um, the benefit, like you mentioned early in this episode that we're recording about how some of the benefits you get when you see something on stage versus just reading it yeah. straight from a textbook. And I do love that they flesh out the wholeness of his character and the wholeness of that's like his most tender yes. moment. I, I think one of his yes. most tender moments as is wait for it. I mean, you kind of see, yeah, you see all these, um, oh, less you know what just hidden. Jumped to my mind was what? they rode him back. They rode him back across the Hudson. Uh-huh. You're wailing in the streets. That is eerie. Mm-hmm. That's the moment he realizes, yeah, what the world is wide enough. Like, right. why couldn't I have just accepted that his way was okay too? Yeah. Um, oh, that's 2020 right there. That Sorry. is. Sorry. Yeah, got- that is. That is. <laughs> we, have, we have a few more characters that we want to cover. And because we don't want this episode to last for two and a half hours, we are going to, <laughs> we're going to rapid fire kind of quick process the maybe four or five more characters. Um, I'll start and throw out Angelica. I'll say the oh. character and you tell me the number and then I'll. I struggle here. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I think she's a three or an eight. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I, I like her for five. Oh, we have a, so, and this is my bias guys, but we have a line to eight when we're strong and healthy and and in integration. Um, there is an assertive streak that is like fire. Um, so I, I like her. I like her for eight or five. I'll go eight or five. Okay. Well, and again, not that she's a quote minor character, but we don't see her story as fully developed in the right. play. And I guess maybe some of mine's coming from the book I read because the, um, my dear mm-hmm. Hamilton, there's a huge play of um, the sister relationship there and how they rely on one another. And so maybe that's uh, part of okay. where that's coming from, but true to our parameters for our episode, we said stage play. So, Oh, and also I was going to mention this so fast. Um, I saw Lynn Manuel give like a masterclass on um, his artistic choices as the mm, director right. of Hamilton. And this was one of the things that he said, like, yeah, no, I wasn't like totally historic, historically accurate with the scholar right. sisters. Like, right. first of all, Hamilton had like seven kids. Right. So right. it wasn't just Philip. And also, though, the sisters like Angelica was already married right. uh, when she met Hamilton. So mm, that I think colors a bit of you know, the actual person versus the the character. But anyway, yeah, in the play, I like her. I like her for that. And just last thing, <laughs> we're promising we're going to keep these sweet. <laughs> but you mentioned you see her as a five, but do you feel like she, in a way, plays like a foil to Alexander? Because they are so similar in some ways as a, if she's like the female version of a five. Oh, no, that compliments. I think it, I think compliments. it 100%, um, it, it, I think it's, that's what strengthens their relationship and makes them both better right. because she challenges them. If she's a five, she's got a six wing for sure. Problem right. solver. Um, the, I want a revolution, not a, not revelation. a revelation. Like mm-hmm. that's the eight kind of pulling in there because right. that's action oriented. That would be the one thing that I would waver on with that. But like, I'm looking for a mind at work. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all of that. And then the yeah. fact that she met him and came to her three fundamental truths uh-huh. like immediately that's right there like that's her okay i'm willing to sacrifice be non attached right. to an emotional connection a reaction an attraction that i have um and i'm going to back away and say you know what it makes more sense for me to pass him off to my sister so i can still be intellectually engaged with him right um, yeah nah i just talked myself into it she's a five <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll go on we'll go on what about thomas jefferson you start seven. Mm-hmm. Seven. Yeah. I was gonna say the same thing. What about Lafayette? Oh. I say a four. Oh fun. Okay. With this a three fun. wing. <laughs> um again I just get on board with that. Based yeah. on the portrayal, just say or a seven. I don't know. I could see him a seven too, but the four, I guess, just kind of his um I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying that now. I just I I like it. I like. I, I like it. I'll go with that because I, d- I don't really have strong feelings about about him in the play. Okay. Um, King George. King George three, maybe. I don't know. What do you think? See, I was going to say an eight for mm-hmm. him. Okay. Either one. I. They're both assertive, and they're both. I. I think three because of the image. That's true. Ooh, 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 that is super yeah. true. That is shallow, true. but true. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, who have we left out that we? Really I like. Out? Okay, I want to do Hercules Mulligan. Oh yes, you so like minor. Hercules Mulligan. <laughs> yeah, um, it, mainly because my husband loves him. He's like his favorite. He's a for sure an eight. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's whatever comes to mind. Like, oh my god, let's tear this dude apart. 
it's probably my favorite line. So yeah, well, we like. Did we did we have any number that we didn't have represented represented in the play? And I feel like yes, we do have a number, and that's a nine. Is there a nine? Oh. And is that true of a lot of, I, I haven't thought about using the Enneagram as a lens for other plays or other things I've seen on stage, but is that a hard one to? I think it's hard. Yeah. So this was what we came across in the Shakespeare series. Um, nines kind of take a back seat. Like they're not really strong for plot development. <laughs> and like you need conflict. Like that's what story is. Um, so it's really tricky to identify. I, yeah. Um, nine. I was, you know, I, Philip came to mind, but no, he was right. real quick to make a challenge. Um, yeah. You know, that could have been a one from his dad or it could have been an eight thing mm-hmm. or, you know, could have just been him being young. Uh, who else do we have that are minor sort of characters? Lauren's absolutely not a nine. He was no. for sure. I would say eight for him. Peggy. Um, oh, Peggy. The re- Wait, we just don't see her very developed Peggy's in this story. Small. Yeah, there's yeah. not enough there. The Reynolds, um, the gal from the Reynolds, what's her first name? Maria Reynolds. Mariah. Reynolds. Mariah. That's yeah. not very nine. No, <laughs> she would. We saw. I would, I mean, she could be a two, kind of manipulating that whole scenario or seeking safety could be like a six, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's, it's, uh, there's not enough to go on. Um, but yeah, if y'all see a nine. Uh, let me know. Yeah. Well, I want to throw out just a couple of other resources, Hamilton related, that I um, have either enjoyed or think that if you are wanting to take a little bit more of a deep dive, first and foremost, there is a hilarious YouTube video. You may have seen this, Kelly. It's the girls, Leanne and Michelle. They've done like a 10 or 12 minute video on the Enneagram types in Hamilton, and they're just hilarious oh, anyway. No. We'll link that in the show notes. It's okay. super, super funny. And then something that's really been... Um, I, I guess I just enjoyed hearing about Hamilton from this perspective. Erin Moon of the Popcast, she does, um, she's kind of spinning out on her own or starting out on her own, a second podcast under their Bible binge heading, and it's called Faith Adjacent. And her very oh, first God. episode was on Hamilton. And basically she's looking for like, she calls it breaking out of the sanctuary to find the good and the God in the things that surround us in our everyday lives. And so oh. she goes through the whole play and then just a lot of history on the the real Hamilton and kind of like, where, where does faith overlay in some of his behavior? Mm-hmm. So she's talking a lot about motivations and so forth. So that's, those are my two things I, I want to share as recommendations for. That's cool. For. Um, just to re-interject, God, I'm so sorry. Type nine. I'm seeing Google tells me um, some people feel like Lafayette may be a nine. Um, okay. I'd be curious about that. Like stubborn is kind of the way that plays out in uh, the military aspects of his life. Um, patient, creative, and trusting. And then um, Washington could potentially have a nine wing. wing. And we, could, yeah. we could see that for sure. So, yeah. If he were a one, actually. <laughs> Opinions abound, so let us know. All right. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. For resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website at milspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. 
you can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.